Next thing I really want to talk about is because, uh, and you've mentioned it, BBC Store 2, which is kind of the nickname for this doctor at the moment. This yes. Man. Of course, you'll probably be changing it for, you know, legal reasons, yeah. most likely. But you've <laughs> so, got a fan doctor that you're playing uh, in various projects coming soon. Yes. So um, I'm, I'm currently working with Instability Productions, which is uh, the lovely George Gydra, um, who plays the, is, is famous for playing the blonde doctor and uh, the waistcoat doctor and a few other doctors. Um, and so... And so he's doing his own sort of universe of doctors. So I don't know how much I can tell you really about that because I don't know what's particularly been announced. I can obviously say I'm in it. Um, and so currently it's been nicknamed as BBC's Doctor Who because I uh, I think when I when I found out I was doing it, I announced to the group chat that we're in, uh, well, you're not in, but the, 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 there's, a, there's a group chat with the other doctors and stuff, um, that I was like... Um, uh, I, I in that universe, you know, in, in yeah, that yeah. universe thing. I said I was, I, I was like, "Hello, everyone! I'm playing BBC's Doctor Who in the sense of the BBC's creation, Doctor Who, yeah. uh, which is how I refer to it all the time. I'm always like, um, "Have you seen David Tennant from BBC's Doctor Who?" Because I just find it funny to elaborate rather than saying it from Doctor Who or the yeah. Doctor or whatever. And so. But we haven't thought of a name for him. All these doctors have, like, you know, the purple doctor, the little red doctor, you know, the techno doctor. They, there's all different doctors, and they all have a little little thing that identifies them because we, we've gotten to the point where we don't have numbers anymore because if you pick a number, if you go, I'm the 15th doctor, then, you know, we're at the point now that we've got a 15th doctor coming up. So it's a case of um, you don't want to put a number on yourselves because then eventually you will you will be outlived. You They yeah. will get past you. And so with that everyone kind of picks their own things so don wears purple clothes so he's a purple doctor etc etc you know that kind of thing and so and, and dan is from scotland so he's obviously the <laughs> um, and so and he wears a red coat so he's a little red exactly coat. exactly so everyone's got their thing and i haven't thought of what mine is yet there's there's different things to describe him but some of the things that you know some of his main attributes that someone's already got that name <laughs> so you go the tech, and then, no, but, i just asked twitter that's how i got that name i just Posted the picture costumes and pick a name for me. Yeah, mine. See, the thing is, I've always been kind of against it. Like, I don't like when fan film doctors show up and they 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 reference that. I don't like when that happens because it's it's awkward to me. Like, for instance, if I put Connor in something, I could mention the fact he's wearing a cravat. Fair enough, but exclusively referring to people as a color or where's the Irish one or whatever, it gets to the point where it's like. You're, yeah, you, you, could, be... you could get away with it maybe once, but the mm -hmm. fact that you're doing it all the time and you just refer to yourselves as your names, your your fan names, it's weird because in universe yeah. you don't really like like when you think that like Patrick Chan and and, and um, John Pertwee, the dandy and the clown, and you know Hello Scarecrow and all that kind of thing, they don't say the same thing every time. They say something different. Yeah. Whereas with everyone here it's consistently the same names now i'm not complaining in the sense of like i don't mind people doing that like they can do what they want and it's not a case of like it's not even a case of i'm, I'm saying that's a bad thing to do just from my own personal standpoint i don't want to have i don't want to be walking around in my story and be writing in hello i'm the fedora doctor or something weird you know i'm Where fedora that's my that's my gimmick that's, that's cool. my identifier my uh, but no i i'm I'm just doc. I'm just the doctor in the story, and so that, that doctor used Reddit. I feel like that doctor would use Reddit if the Fedora Doctor exists. He's the Milady Doctor. Um, he he turns up and he he's Milady. Um, and so that's no yeah, <laughs> basically. Um, and so so he's the nice guy doctor. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it, it's a case of it's fine to do, but it's a case of I just. If I had one, then it would have to be something plot-wise, and it wouldn't be a case of that's my color or my 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 nationality or whatever. It would be a case of I I'd probably choose a word like the lost doctor or the broken doctor. Techno, really? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just a case of it's just something that, so people can refer to you, but yeah. not because obviously you can't just say I'm the doctor. I'm the original Where's doctor. The techno one. Hey, look at the techno one over there. Come on, bring yeah. one along. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just strange to me. But it's a case of BBC's Doctor Who is funny because it's, it's just so long and, and overdrawn. And to write a parody series starring a Fedora Doctor, and the his main, <laughs> the main gimmick is 
that he tries like um he, he tries to get with his companions, but they all friend zone him. They all say uh. they, they all do it in different ways. Like at the end of one episode, just you're like a brother to me, and then like someone else comes along, the next companion, and then it's like um you're you're my best friend. I feel like it. I feel like it'd be funnier instead of having him try to get with a companion, just trying to get a companion. I think I think doctors easily get companions. No companions. But I think I think it'd be funny to have a doctor that can't get one. Like he constantly is going around being like, "Would you like to come with me?" And they're like, "No, what the hell?" Like like that would be funnier than than he can't get with them. Um, but effectively, yeah. So with with with, with the doctor, I'm doing like we have really planned. Like we, we've got some ideas for stories like there's some there's a vague idea I, i've kind of when you play the doctor there's a level of you have to make that character even if you're appearing for a second you have yeah. to know who you are as doctor who like so i i sat down and i thought about it because i'm popping up in a story soon uh, i don't know when it's coming out or whether it's soon at all actually uh, but effectively there, there's a story that's been written by the lovely jed rhodes um, and it's a wonderful story, and my doctor pops up in it. Um, and so for that, I was sitting there thinking, oh, well, I'm, 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 you know, I'm a cameo in that story, basically. I'm sitting there going, oh, well, you know. I'm, I'm, you talking about. Yeah, yeah. We, I may have heard about exactly. that. Um, anyway. And so effectively, I was sat there going, even though I'm popping up for not, you know, it's not, it's not long, but it's a case of I've, I've got to know what this character is. Like, he's, he's got to be fully formed and developed at this point. Like, there's got to be a level of like this is this is it you know this is this is what he's got to be and so i sat down i thought about it, i was like i've i've 17 years of my life i've sat around wanting to be doctor who and finally the chance is here and i have no clue what i'm doing i'm like oh god i'm like well i well i can't do this because i've already given all of that characterization to fraser fraser has taken yeah. so much of me that I had to sit down and go, okay, what isn't Fraser Ward? And that is Doctor Who for me. And so he's, he, I've, I've put together the costume and, um, and I've, I've worked out how he kind of talks and everything. We've got a general idea of his story and his kind of the elements that have gone into it. Maybe not the entire thing, but we, uh, enough to have a, a character yeah. and a, a vague backstory to what he is. Um, and it may never come out. It may nothing may ever happen. I may just pop up as cameos and stuff. It's a case of it would be lovely to do a full series, but I'm 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 quite busy most of the time, and I'm doing a lot with Torchwood currently. Mm. That it's a case of we haven't. There's nothing to announce here because I haven't got there's, there's yeah. no series yet or anything like that. And it's in a case of it's in a place that I do I have recorded something as him, and I may pop up in other places as him, but there's no you know confirmed thing yet but i'm very excited to do it it's it's one of those things that i've been asked to be you know uh the master omega uh, the captain of torchwood companions you know uh, cybermen daleks alpha centuri for some reason the Famazi, you mentioned Famazi. Um, yeah, now I, I have this traitor's voice well you've now mentioned Famazi, and now i am here yeah it's uh, the Famazi. so Famazi, connor messaged me saying you're kind of posh aren't you and could you do a Famazi voice and so i'll be honest i've seen the ledger hive once with with my doctor collection what happens is i buy the dvds and i i i I, there are some episodes of doctor i've never seen because if i don't have the dvd i don't watch the episodes my little tradition it's a case of i i get the dvd i stick it on and I watched the episode for the first time ever. And so the Leisure Hive was one of my more recent ones. So, because I think it came in a box set. I can't remember. Was it in a box? No. No, no maybe not. It's not in the box set. It's, that, that's, I'm thinking of the E-Space trilogy. No, never mind. Yep. Uh, but effectively, the, the Leisure Hive, I put on once and I've watched it once. And so I kind of knew what, I, well, to be honest, I kind of forgot the formality. I really, I, I remember what they looked like. Yeah, yeah, I, I could have not told you what their voice was. So I, I watched a bunch of clips of them and sat there, and I was like, okay, so they don't emote really. They 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 basically got this voice. They pick it up, and the guy says, "You mentioned Famazi," and there's a kind of his voice, which which is what I picked up in that clip because he goes, "You mentioned Famazi," and he kind of keeps it at this same level, and he goes, "Now that I've got this traitor's voice box, but he has no emotion, so he just says things as he does, which is like this, and so then you go from there, and obviously you speed it up and you make it a bit more natural, um, and so." 
he was yeah so it was a case of and i recorded those at four in the morning i think most of my recordings are done at stupid times in the morning because my family as you would have heard earlier on when my dog barked they love noise it's it's one of their favorite things silence is a crime in this household mm. um and so the only time this house is quiet enough for me to record anything is about four in the morning. So Connor sends over the scripts for the dark universe and I watch a bunch of Famazi clips. And so then I go through it and I'm like, doctor, are you in there? I'm here for the peace summit or whatever, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so, um, and so, yeah, it, it, there's not much to tell to it really. Besides that, really, I hadn't seen it. I kind of just threw it together and I went with, that's a lot of my impressions for, oh, yeah. for, What's been the most fun monster to play? Because obviously you've played a few in live action, you've played a few in audio. What's been the best of both worlds? What's been like? What's been the best live action? What's been the best audio one? I, I it's got to be Omega. It's got to be Omega. Omega was the see. Omega was the most bombastic, I think, and he's the most one that I get recognised for in the sense of people messaged me and were like, I really liked how you did Omega and everything. So Omega, I also had my own take on. So with the Famazi, there was a definite more so an edging on the impression. Same with Alpha Centauri, it was more so me trying to be that character. Yeah. Alpha Centauri was one of the ones that it was like, I want to be as faithful to the original as possible because it's my child. I like, I love Omega, but if I'm playing Omega, I want it to be me playing Omega. So I, I, I took it to the right place. So Stephen Fawn's Omega, he's very, he's sort of like, my brother Time Lords, not just a Time Lord, the same Time Lord. You will face the dark side of my mind and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And, it's, and he's kind of, you know, um, the other thing is the, um, if my will is to destroy, you know, that bit and everything. Yeah. And uh, ah, that. So <laughs> there's a level of, of I took that. And so there's, the, there's a kind of, not just a Time Lord, the same Time yeah. Lord. And so he's a bit more here. But then I took that. So if you listen to the back of the voice there, there's a same time, Lord. And so then you just adapt upon that thing and then you eventually get to the point where I ended up here. And so the main balance of Omega was the fact that it had to be comfortable for me to be talking for long periods of time because I had so many lines. I had 188 lines, I think, in that script. I was there recording for three hours uh, because I kept doing the takes over and over again, you know, so you got to get it right. And the problem with shouting things and all that kind of stuff is he also, the, the dialogue could be fiddly sometimes. There was one, I, I could not say the word sustainability or something like that, but it was because it was in the, it's, it's a difficult word to begin with, but when it's in the middle of a paragraph, and you get to that point and the line before it wasn't quite natural it felt like so there was a level of i'm kind of going i am omega i will kill you all and then suddenly i'm having to just go into this and then say sustainability and then suddenly sustainability you're like i can't quite yeah. it's too much it, it, you needed to really it needed to be broken up really but because of the fact he'd recorded all the other stuff already that you can't yeah, do that yeah. you have with, with luke's stuff it's very much a case of all of the other stuff has already been filmed you must record exactly what it says here otherwise it won't fit and so that's fine obviously you know you, you sometimes you can't do it. it's the same way like um actually i was going to tell an anecdote there but it's not it was a jk rowling one but then i was like oh no i can't do that anymore because she's a bitch awful horrible git awful awful person yeah no it was going to be the one where it was so stephen fry couldn't stephen say fry, a word and so she yeah and so she put in a but she put the word in loads of times in the next book because he asked it to be changed and that's the kind of that's the kind of vibe um and so it, it, it was a case of, yeah, but it's like, yeah, we're not allowed to talk about him. Um, but effectively, no, Omega was, was the best. I played the monster, the physical form as well. There was yeah. loads of people played that. Like Dom played it, uh, a few other, I can't remember all of them, but there was, I think there was like 10 people basically played Omega in its physical form. I did wear it in the quarry scene. So the, on the day we went and filmed the mini-sode, if you look in the, the not the mini-sode, the deleted scene, yeah. if you look at what I'm wearing, you can see it under the Omega outfit in some shots. And that's why it was a slightly weird outfit that's not quite Fraser Ward. It was designed to blend under the Omega stuff. And then I threw a leather jacket yeah. on. Um, and so so that was that was fun from the standpoint of it was it was it was a boiling hot day in August. And then we came back and did it again in September. And it was a plant pot with a sponge in the head. And the sponge would hold the thing on here and you could see out of the mouth. Uh, the original you could see out of the face the original 70s mask you see out of the face but luca decided to put it in the mouth for some reason um and so 
it, it was it was very warm and i was on the day doing the line so i think there's a behind the scenes video where they actually do have a clip of me saying the lines in the mask yeah. on the day because i think i'm walking around going one two three four and five they're all here and now we can begin or something like that um and, and they shouldn't uh, upload as deleted scenes more often i feel like I think, uh, yeah they would be fun i think they're all gone now because to be yeah. fair the black magic is a beast he's recording in oh, 4k yeah. now and that kills space and when he's got you, you've got to think he's obviously he's, he's got episodes one out and episode two out now but he had both of those and then all of the rest of series five and all the remastered they're all on his hard drive so that's a lot of footage so you cannot at that point do that the other thing is also space on the day so he's only got so many sd cards on the day and we need to get all the shots we need yeah. to get and so storing scenes that have gone wrong and everything on the day mm. it's it's just a case of sometimes it's fine and a lot yeah. of the bloopers you'll see will be the ones we recorded on our phone so i do have a bunch of vengeance of the bloodline behind the scenes stuff that i might put out at some point and it's just kind of stuff that was recorded on our phones um but i understand why he can't but it would be it would be fun like the movie behind the scenes are really it was interesting to see all the all of them all the way through i mean there's the 500 miles video where everyone is in it yeah there is one scene of me there is one of the deleted scenes from the movie the, the from the, the tortured bit there's just a clip of us messing up and laughing that clip made it in and i was sitting there and me and ben were like that is, is that all we got <laughs> the, only, the only time we're in this video um but it, yeah there's just not much footage of it um but in audio to take it back to the question monsters wise i i'll be honest i don't really i like for audio I, the connor audios i've done i've mainly been fraser for marzi wasn't even a villain he was he was in the in the story he's obviously an alien but he wasn't the villain of the story um uh i'm trying to think the other fun one in live action because the, the i i i voice a lot of villains for luke the other fun one was 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 Zardox, which is from a story people often take the mick out of um, the Blood Hunter. Series one, episode two. Am I right? I think it's five. I was the two is two is the Great Wisp. I was I was the Great Wisp in episode two. I think it's five is Blood Hunter, or maybe four, I can't remember. But I I messaged Luke messaged me saying, Hey, could you do an alien voice for this character? And I, I kind of remembered he was the brother of uh, Krovax from the movie. Mm. So I, I I looked at that imp- that that voice, and the voice was kind of, that's all I had, leader. Which is, it's all right, but it's kind of, I'll be honest. If if this is your monster for the entire episode, it's, it's not particularly good. It's going to destroy my voice for starters. Mm. However, it's also not very menacing. It's <laughs> it's kind of. I'm sat there, and, I'm going, and the other problem is Luke is having to. It it kind of sounds like I. I it does sound like a. It sounds like a Sontaran. So, yeah. I think it's Lynx again. Lynx, yeah. I think it, I think it went back to really Commander Lynx with really bad expert. He hit my perfect vent. Get away from me, Iron Run. <laughs> um, uh, we only discovered of... I could do that earlier on. <laughs> yeah. Talking of Overton, though, of course, um, I I also also want to talk about the Sea Devils because we haven't talked about that yet. But yes. I also want to talk about Overton because we've touched upon Tortured, but we haven't really touched upon Rebirth. We've we've talked about the Minnesota, mm. we talked about DW twenty twelve, but Rebirth is the big next step for Tortured. But of course, it, I believe Connor mentioned in the last one as well that it's not going forward with the Rebirth brand. It's not. It, no, I, so I don't know if, as he said, what it's going to be called. It is um, not. He's not said exactly what it is. I'll leave uh, it to him then. Uh, so yeah. effectively, though, yeah. So Rebirth. Luke decided basically that Rebirth Volume One was enough. He said that that you know it was good and 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 that it, it set up the characters nicely and everything, but it should be a standalone thing. Um, which no, which yeah, pretty much. it was it was it was devastating in that sense to hear uh, that was the general consensus. Um, I won't go too far into it, obviously, yeah, but it, it it was a case of it was like oh well, I mean you know, if you want to. If people watching want to see more of that, just watch Connor's uh, talk with because we cover pretty much every basis about this 
like yeah. in how like the, the drama between the DW twenty twelve split and how it's affected sort of rebirth and the future of Overton. But I've tried to kind of keep out of most of it. Like, like yeah. I, I didn't get involved with all of that stuff. And obviously, I, I was I was talking about it on the live stream, and then then yeah. vengeance came out and everything. So you know, it is what it is. Um, there's nothing we can do about it. But the thing is, um, so the the tortured rebirth that was that is in Luke's universe is is no more. It 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 it, it exists as a one volume thing, which is tortured rebirth, and. The general thing we've got currently is the fact that tortured rebirth leads in uh, leads on to the minisode, the um, so the the the, the 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 from the ashes minisode that is canon to that universe, um, and so then there's um, then there's the standstill episode, still also linked, and then it leads into. Tommy joining the team and how time flies and vengeance of the bloodline and everything. So that is all that. And then with Connor's stuff, what the plan is currently to continue um, Torchwood on under a, a new brand uh, in the Overton universe, basically. So uh, Connor's obviously, uh, it was announced that Connor is splitting off from Luke. Uh, Luke posted the fact that there was a sort of amicable split going on um, between them. And so in that universe, Luke said, all of Connor's stuff is, you know, all of the timeline stuff is still canon. So, you know, all, all of the stuff is still canon to to Connor's stuff. However, he's not canon in my universe in the sense of, so all of the stuff that happened, happened. But now Luke has detached himself. It was it was sort of pitched as the fact that Connor had split off, but it was really Luke taking himself off. Yeah, and so now true. currently in the timeline, I think it's literally Luke whoever comes before him, Dom and Dan now, I feel like that's that universe now, it's just them, and everyone else is over at Overton, basically, mm. along with I mean, other um, universes. Yeah, so it's whoever plays Blonde, which I, I don't know who it is yet, because apparently there's been some stuff happening with the person they were wanting to play Blonde again. Mm. Um, I've, yeah. I've not heard anything about I've those heard things. things really. From people, but, and I think Connor mentioned it in the last one anyways, he mentioned that. Um, also, like, um, Irish. Um, I'll be honest, I haven't watched the Connor one yet. Um, but effectively, I yeah, mean, so that's that's all there. Watching this one beforehand, I definitely recommend the Connor one. That's very interesting, that one. But um, yeah, yeah I, I, the, the future for Tortured Rebirth is looking bright. It's, well, not Tortured Rebirth anymore, but the wallet yeah. is. I don't, know, I don't know if Luke's got any plans to do anything with it. Obviously, um, that set well, that was set in like, 2014, 2015. It was set ages ago, yeah. so it was a prequel, effectively. So on Memorial the, also is canon to that. On the um, um, side, it's looking, it's looking very bright. You know, I think, I think, yeah, yeah, it's it it's from DW twenty twelve. We'll, we'll do it good because it, it kind of has more. I guess we've got a bit more freedom to it, so that yeah. it was never really a problem necessarily of even personal issues or anything. It was a case of mainly for, for writing issues that were cropping up because because of the fact that we were setting it in 2014, which is when Luke Newman was the Doctor. And he's now going back in time to refilm all of his stuff. Instead of it, he wants freedom to change things, which is fair enough. I mean, obviously, his old ideas, you know, if he feels that he can do them better now um, and there's things that could change them, because... I, I, you know, let's be honest, uh, in, in, in the nicest way possible, whilst they are, you know, they were good for their time and they were, you know, great attempts for him at that age and everything, uh, comparing those to what we're having now, remasters, it's completely under... Infinitely better. Yeah, it's completely understandable I want to go back and I'm sure he'd, he'd agree with that in that sense. Yeah. It's not it's not an insult, it's the fact that he oh, did, yeah, they yeah. were good for what they were, but I completely understand why he would want to go back because I, I there was a general consensus of people skipping his era. There was a level of he became nine in the sense of, oh, don't bother watching series one or two because they're not worth watching. Jump yeah. to maybe three, four's good, and then the movie and five are great. You know that kind of thing, and so that was just a general thing. But effectively, that was generally what was being said. Yeah. And so I completely understand why you'd want to refilm half his era if half of his era isn't being watched by people. If people are sitting there and going, "Don't watch those ones. Watch these ones," then I understand why you'd want to make them watchable. And the remaster is genuinely much more watchable oh, than yeah, what was originally produced. Now we're entering into the dilemma section where 
he's considering, and I don't know if this has been posted or anything, but effectively um, he was talking about the fact that he might want to redo the rest of it as well. And the reason I can understand that is because suddenly one, two, and five, fantastic quality, and then you dip down to three yeah. and four, and not in a writing way, I mean a visual way. So the camera is now much better, and the black magic is working its black magic all over um, this, this new series. And so five, one, and two look incredible, and then you go back to 1080p, which is fine, but it's a case of I can understand why for consistency he might want to do all of that stuff. But that in lies the fact that if we're a prequel series set alongside his series, and he suddenly goes, for instance, um, in, in series two originally, the Daleks invaded Earth, maybe he turns around and goes, the Daleks never invaded Earth at this point, and I've changed my mind. And then all of a sudden, we've written in a story where the Daleks have invaded Earth, yeah. and now that's never happened in Luke's series. And so this is where the problem came, because there was also communication issues in the case of... Um, in the case of it, it's now it now creates more channels now something we need to sorry anyway. does that uh impact dan's plan because apparently the daleks don't invade london oh i was just they're not i was just pulling they, that they out don't invade london anymore. <laughs> and maggie's backstory is centered around oh. the Daleks invading london so he's got them invading like birmingham or somewhere else but with them not going to london that's where uh, spoilers maggie yeah. is some, someone very important to her, should I say? I see. I see. Well, I, I that was just an example because I remember that, that there was a Dalek episode in series two. But it, this is the problem. Effectively, it allows for that. And the thing is, like, it is Luke's series inherently. Yeah. It is Luke's Luke's Doctor Who series, and so he can do whatever he wants with it. It, it got messy with all the collaboration elements, and That's so if he wants complete creative control of his timeline and everything, he has to detach and go off and do it by himself because if if it's not if you know if we can't put in the the time to collaborate on these things and and coordinate um then it's just not going to work so what's what's going on now is the sort of the overton universe is a case of everything is basically the same um except for you know if luke decides to change something it doesn't affect our timeline anymore it's a case of it yeah. you know and so so with Torchwood, we're basically continuing on with the original plan we had for, because we planned some volumes. I won't say how many because Connor gets mad at me when I say them. Um, but we, we planned some extra volumes. Um, and obviously volume two is confirmed to be happening. Um, but it will be not canon to Luke's series, but it will be canon to Torchwood. Um, All that I'll say to like kind of leave that kind of bit on a final note in terms of Luke's series. I actually mm. really like series one remaster. I, I think it's yeah no series series I, one I really the remaster it. was really the the the, the news version of the Cyberman episode. Uh, they, and people were clowning on my voice in the, in the Zardox one. I I found it funny. That's why I did it. But that story is genuinely like nice. It's a it's a twenty minute something story what where stories there. There's there's a there's a monster chasing the Doctor around the TARDIS for yeah. however long it is, and he went to a proper library and he filmed some inside scenes of the TARDIS there. And I just I, I find it that's a nice you know you don't need complicated ones sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes you just need a a little you know that one in my mind always felt sort of like um, the Mind Robber or Boomtown in yeah. not in the not in the in the sense of we don't have any money. Um, we just need a story set completely in the TARDIS with the main characters, uh, maybe one extra location, which is both of those things. And that's what it always felt like. But some, but those stories, the Mind Robber and Boomtown, one of, uh, both of them are in my favourite ever. And I think it's, I, 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 that's why I think I enjoyed that story. And yeah, yeah. The, the monster in that one, Zardox, the voice of it was, there's an episode of Red Dwarf where there's a virus that can talk. Oh, yeah. And, he, and he's and he talking like this, and he's like, "Have a virus." And so I, I, so Luke messaged me with this book, and so Crovax obviously talked like this, and so I was like, "What if he talked to me more like this?" And so I just thought, when you've got a monster chasing, because the other thing was, he was making jokes and sort of being a bit boastful, yeah, yeah. kind of stuff. He's, he's sort of like. Uh, you are going to die at the hands of Zardox. You need not question anything. Now that in the other voices, you are going to die at the hands of Zardox. You need not question anything. It's just, yeah, it's, it's definitely it's it's, it's, it's okay. It's kind of menacing, but but suddenly being like, 
you are going to die in the hands of Zadok. She need not question anything. He suddenly got a bit more personality to him. He's a bit more, you know, he's, he's, there's a level of you need sometimes to have a fun villain to carry. If it's, if a 20 minute story where me chasing around the TARDIS is just me chasing around the TARDIS, you need to have a level of the villain being vaguely interested. And the fact that the monster was a rubber mask, it's just a rubber alien gray alien mask. There's no emotion. It's just a mask. So the voice is having to do all the legwork, which is why he has to have a, he has to have an interest. So Krovax didn't matter so much because Omega's there and Omega's going, I will kill you all. So Krovax being the side character, being like, hello, my lord, is what you need in that story. But if he's the main villain, you need him to have, you know, he needs to carry the story in the sense of that side of the thing to be the antagonist in comparison to the, um, you know, the protagonist. Um, and so, yeah, anyway, I've, derail- I've derailed it back to Zardoc's talk. No one ever talks about Zardoc's. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a very interesting conversation, a very interesting voice and backstory behind it. I mean, I really love Red the Wolf. It's one of my favourite mm, TV shows. Yes. So, uh, another thing I want to talk to you about, which we've mentioned, mm-hmm. cool, is uh, talking about Sea Devils. Now, you were sea Devils. prop making for Legend of the Sea Devils, which... Uh, I was. I was. The last, as of, as of the time of this recording, the latest episode of Doctor Who, mm. uh, which was the Easter special of 2022. Yes, I just wanted to ask you about the process of making making the Sea Devils and uh, yeah. working in official capacity with Doctor Who. So, so the Sea Devils thing was, I was on Time Fracture and effectively, I, I, I was, was working on Time Fracture, I met up for lunch um, with... Uh, a friend of mine called Stephen, uh, Stephen Ricks, uh, well, Stephen Porter, but the, his professional name is Ricks. Um, and so he does costumes and so on. And so he was working on Legend of the Sea Devils um, via a company um, called Rob Alsop and Associates, which is run by Robin Alsop. Robin Alsop worked on the classic era of Doctor Who. He's also obviously worked on the new era of Doctor Who. He's done several things um, and amongst movies and theatre. And he's, he's a very talented man. Um, and so on the classic era, he did like the Candyman and the Seventh Doctor's Umbrella and a bunch of other things. Um, and so he set up his own company and he runs that with a bunch of sort of, he's got, he's got permanent stuff, but it's a lot of, sort of freelancers and stuff coming in, um, which is wonderful. Um, and so on the modern series, they did, I think they did the hand bots and they they took over from Millennium Effects doing most of the monsters. So yeah. Millennium Effects used to do the monsters up until series 12, like Paraxius was their last one they did. And then uh, sort of uh, the dregs were done by Robert Alsop and Associates, um, the uh, obviously the Sea Devils um, and a few other bits and pieces. And so, and then the new Cybermen as well, the, the, the you know, the, the, the nice ones that were seen at the end of, um, timeless children uh so they went on uh and and, uh, and and did all those and so i get talking to him and i, I mentioned that obviously I'd, I'd like to work on doctor who <laughs> i would love to work on doctor who um and so uh he obviously mentions he's working on it uh well he didn't mention he's working on it but he, he mentions that he you know works at this company that works on yeah. doctor who um and so as far as I'm aware, that's that's all that happens, really. And then all of a sudden, like two months later, on a Friday, Robert Alsop appears on my WhatsApp <laughs> saying, hey, heard you were looking for some, you know, to, to do some work or something like that. Da, 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 da. Uh, would you like to would you like to come along and and, and work uh, work at mine for a week? No mention of Doctor Who or anything like that. It's just a case of just, would you like to come and work at mine for a week? Um, and I was like, yes, <laughs> I'll, find, I'll be there now if you want. Um, and so he's, uh, he, he's, he's saying um, that he'll uh, come in on Monday. So I, 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 uh, I think we've talked about like a few things I'd need, like respirators and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so skipping ahead, Monday morning, bright and early, I leave where I live and I head down to London. Luckily, where Robert Alsop's is based, he's like a few stops away from where one of my really close mates lives in London. So I stayed with him the entire duration of the of, of the thing. So I was there for a whole week. Um, and so, yeah, I get in on the Monday morning and I walk in the door and on the table in front of me is a sea devil head. <laughs> 
immediately an NDA he's kind of shoved my way I'm still not exactly sure how much of it I can tell you and I can't show you pictures and stuff but um, effectively there's a sea devil head on the table I'm like oh my good god that is that is incredible Um, so Rob had Rob Alsop had done the sculpt and uh, Hal Townsend who works with Phil Robinson who does the uh, Phil Thomas Robinson who does the 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 trickster mask and the 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 arm and everything Um, he he done the back of the head and a few other bits and pieces I can't remember exactly which which all of it was, but he'd sculpted the back and Robert's on the face and everything. Um, and so they'd then taken that sculpt and they cast it in a sort of foam latex, probably. I can't remember if it was foam or silicon, but um, they'd done it in a, in a, in a latex. Um, and so on the table, just kind of bare raw casting of yeah. the sea devil head, uh, but instantly recognisable. <laughs> it's still, you know, it's not got a paint on our eyes or anything, but I'm still sat there going, oh, oh my God, it's a sea devil. Um, <laughs> and so... Again, the first thing they asked me to do is they asked me to trim um, the latex because when, when you mold something, sometimes the latex can pour into the seams of the mold and it creates flashing around the outside. Yeah. So they've asked me to trim the trim that off and I, I start cutting it off and everything. And I sit there and I go, right, I've worked on Doctor Who then. Brilliant. I've trimmed the flashing off of a sea devil. Nice. Um, and so then they asked me to go work on something else, which I can't talk about, but they asked me to go work on something else. Um, so I go away and start doing that. I'm being, oh, it's a shame I'm not going to get to be more involved with the Doctor Who stuff, but, uh, you know, it's cool that I've, I've trimmed the sea devil, which means it will be, you know. Um, I then get back inside and they say, the sea devil head you trimmed was actually kind of thin in places, so we're not actually going to use it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. Um so close off a footnote in Doctor Who history that I did trim uh, a, a sea devil once. Um, but no, but no, then then later on in the day, um, I kind of get to a point with the other thing I'm working on that is kind of it's kind of done. Um, and then I say, hey, do you need any help with the, the sea devils? And it, again, and so they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started cutting them up the back and putting in the Velcro in the yeah. back of their heads so that the actors can get in and out. So yeah. they was stitching on this Velcro and contact cementing it and everything. Um, and so then I'd done, I think I did four of them, maybe three of them, I can't remember. I think, is that three? I can't remember. One, I, I did four heads total. I can't remember if I did all of them with the, the Velcro. I think Hal did some of them as well. Um, some had already gone to production. Some, uh, the, the hero one had already gone. Um, and then we did four of them, one of which was a stunt head. So the stunt head was a copy of the hero head for them to wear during fight scenes. So it was a bit thicker yeah. and more padded inside, whereas the other one's a bit more movable for, you know, talking and stuff. Yeah. Um, and so with that, um, I then sit down and I we started adding fins to the head. So they're sort of like put the, put the fins into the head and then start adding mesh to the fins with latex and stuff. And so everything is starting to build up and up and up. So um, it's now blending and everything. And with, and I've, I, 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 I put on all the necks. There was a sort of fabric necks with sort of mesh on them, which then was covered in latex and that blended into the mask just to kind of, kind of cover it. So from there, um, then I'm thinking, okay, I've put things in the back of the head, put fins on, I've worked on Doctor Who. And so it just kept, every time I did something, I was like, now I've done that for Doctor Who. And so um, I was painting them and everything, so I put paint on them. And then the next day, Tuesday, I came in and we finished off a lot of them. And so they had to be gone by two in the afternoon on Tuesday, I think, to be, to be in Cardiff for filming and stuff. So we, we, we got them all done and everything and we put the eyes in. Um, and they came out really nice. And obviously in yeah. the episode, they, they, they looked really good. That's kind of the end of the Doctor Who stuff, really. Yeah. Um, because you know they, they went off on Tuesday, and then I spent the rest of the week working on other projects and stuff. But um, but th- that was it. So I, I I didn't like like people have talked to me like I did loads, and I and I yeah. and I I did. Like, I'm not going to say I didn't do. Why people would think that, but at the same time, like it's not. You know, I I, I can understand like why people jump like, to the conclusion of people thinking that you'd be heavily involved, but you didn't. That's the thing. People people go, "Oh, you made the seed." I'm like, I didn't make them. I so Rob and Hal get full credit for this thing, and obviously, I I think it was um, I can't remember. It's John Friedlander. Is it John Friedlander? I can't remember. It might be John Friedlander. At the end Steve. of the day, when it comes to bringing them to life, it's a collaborative effort, and you all work. Yeah, it's it's a team effort, and obviously. I've wanted to work on Doctor Who all my life. So it was a very proud moment in my life to be able to do it. So of course I'm gonna to want to talk about it. And so, but I've always maintained in all the all the posts and stuff I do that I was merely a cog in a bigger machine. I came in 
and I painted some sea devil heads and I put a bit of latex on and I, you know, did all that kind of stuff. Obviously they'd sent a few off to production already. So I didn't do all of them. I did a few, I don't know what happened to all of them. One of them was a stunt head. Um, so that was, that was fun, but I worked on four different heads at certain points. Um, and so, yeah, so it, it was wonderful to, to see all of those ones um, going about. I, I, obviously the captain one, I know all of my ones would have been the background, you know, the other ones that were in the yeah. shots and stuff like that. So that was, that was nice. Um, and so it, it is a case of, I, I, I don't want it to seem like I sit here and, 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 and brag about doing that. Cause the thing is at the end of the day, it's work. It is, it is, it is, well, we're all passionate about it, but it is a case of, I go into work and I did this thing. I don't need all the credit in the world for some of these things. Like, it's not like a case of, I need to sit there and be like, obsessed with getting credit for that kind of stuff it's just a case of it's doctor who this is my thing this is my life so i have to i had to at least go yeah i did that one um the other great thing about the sea devils though is the fact that not only did they obviously they appeared in the episode and it was wonderful to see it was like oh my god i can't believe that you know i i, I was there when you know the, when things were made um but then also the fact that there was the worlds of wonder exhibition in liverpool that was opened up um of which they have a sea devil one of the costumes yeah. on display there um it's very you besides them oh well, we, there we go then um it's it's very difficult to obviously tell if it was one of the exact masks i made i you know that we made them identical basically so it's very difficult to see if that is one of mine i'm gonna claim it is but I, it's nice to it's nice to see as you know something i worked on or had connection to on display in a doctor who experience style way of which yeah. i grew up with because there's levels to the sort of growing up with things in fact in my trying to me let me see if i got this um, yeah i do i have this i mean this is it so in 2004 i went into the garage and i found a box of vhs tapes and in amongst them was this a recording taken by my father Doctor Who and the Time Monster. Doctor Who and the Time Meddler. Meddler. The Mind sorry. Robber, the Sea Devils, and the Daemons. And this was it. This was the first ever piece of Doctor Who media I watched. And so the Sea Devils is in amongst my origin of Doctor Who. I, I sat down and all of these, I cannot remember for the life of me, because you see, for instance, it's it's been watched, but it's not been watched all the way. So maybe... I started with the Sea Devils. Maybe I started with the Mind Robber. Maybe I started with Time Meddler. I don't know. It's probably, you know, let's assume it's the Time Meddler or whatever. But the Sea Devils is intrinsically one of the first ever ones I saw. And it's definitely, out of all of these ones, it's the one that I think of the most from this one. Like, I think of I think of the Daemons. I do think of the Mind Robber because the Mind Robber is still, all of these are still my favourite stories, basically. But I really have strong memories of the Sea Devils. My main memories of the Sea Devils on this tape is there's a point where the sea devil's about to grab the doctor when he's come off the ladder and it goes and then and then he's sort of going and then joe goes doctor and as she does that it cuts to the brazil football game um and then i have 10 minutes of a brazilian football game for a bit and then he cuts back to the thing because my dad changed channels uh so there was years i didn't know what happened because then, then it cuts back and they're in a little office thing like all of the people have been captured and they're in an office and the master is working with the doctor in another room and so i've seen it now and i know they get taken in there after he's, he's, he's knocked out and everything and then the master's like i need you to help me make this thing to call them properly and all that kind of stuff and then they the joe climbs through the roof and the other scene but effectively it was amazing that i got to work on the sea devils that was the thing that they, like out of all of these things you're you're not going to probably see the meddling monk easily the mind i mean he's, he's in big finish but like i can't make you the meddling monk like he's he's a person um the mind robber no one's probably going to reference the land of fiction again i mean i know it's been referenced in other things but i don't see them making white robots again anytime soon uh the daemons is a possibility i could see the daemons but at the end of the day i wouldn't be probably involved in that because all you need is bock and as as our, they probably wouldn't even go that route so what would yeah. you do whereas the sea devils i mean you've already done the are, set, so you don't really need to do any more demons anytime soon 
Exactly, exactly. And, uh, you know, the, the thing is, it's like the sea devils looked like the sea devils. They were, they were the things from my childhood. They kept the design so, and I loved them for that, the fact that they kept it so pure to the original. Like, speaking purely just as a fan on this thing, like, it was a case of, it, it's the coolest one of my, you know, it is the coolest yeah, moment yeah. of my professional life. But it's also a case of, <laughs> as a fan, it was wonderful to see that the design was the same. I know I was in in the in in there, but you know I walked in and it was already done. Basically, you know, oh, I, I had to paint and do the finishing details. Sorry, with, with like the VHS, I had a similar backstory to Tatsuki myself. Actually, um, mm. my dad taped the Five Doctors onto, and uh, he had it on the DVD upstairs. And uh, oh yeah, uh, you know, and he also had the Centauran experiment. Just two two dot two DVDs and. I watched them so much, and and the three doctors, all those three. Yeah, I mean, I had I had a few VHS tapes. So there was this one was the main one. That's why I've kept it. The other ones have probably gone by now. There yeah. was I had Genesis of the Daleks, I had Revenge of the Cybermen, and I had the Pyramids of Mars. They were the other ones. Um, I did. I acquired more when TV Gold started playing more. I think I had. I think I had the Monster of Peladon. And a few other ones that appeared when TV Gold and the Mutants and stuff like that. But of actual VHS tapes, I think the Daleks is one of them. It's definitely, I had the, I had the William Hartnell Daleks one. Um, but this was all before um, before the new series. So this was 2004. So I, I saw this first, didn't really know what was going on. And then I watched Rose and then suddenly, you know, it all kicks off. But yeah. I, I still find it. Uh, incredible that you know that, yeah, that's why I keep hold of it now because I found it in a box and we chucked out all the other VHS tapes because I you know we just don't have a VHS player anymore but this felt like a kind of I feel like I, I should hold on to this oh yeah, for, yeah definitely sentimental for, for sentimental reasons it feels important um but yeah so the sea devil's very cool to work on I, I feel like I, I don't know if I have much to say besides obviously I went up to worlds of wonder saw it there took some pictures as you said it's going to be in the thumbnail um so i, I it just it was just amazing to kind of see that because obviously as i said the sea devils on vhs tape was one of my things and growing up going to the doctor experience was one of my well, i went to the doctor exhibition in 2010 i think when it used to well, be the red I, dragon center i have something from the 2006 exhibition because it was an yeah. exhibition not an experience back then and it's actually um uh it's actually the welcome sign above like the entrance and it was like oh yeah from brighton pier yeah, the Brighton Pier one. It was like, oh. like buy your tickets here, and it's like it's yeah, huge. it takes I like that. a corridor of my house. It's like the size of it, it takes. Yeah, a, I know, I know, I know. I think I know the one you mean. Blimey, you have that? When did where did you get that from? I cannot remember. It was so long ago. I think it was like it was a Christmas present I got from my mum and dad, and I've got it um, above my autographs in like a corridor, mm. and I got all my autographs, and then I've got that just as the uh, bit above it. It's quite cool. Very nice. I think I have a mouse map from that exhibition somewhere in this room. And I have a few of the signs from the entrance as well, because they had signs documenting who the doctors were and each of individual stories. That oh, was yeah. so I've got a few things from that exhibition, so that's pretty hmm. cool. Uh, I collect a few things from exhibitions because I find them interesting. Like got a mug here from one of the doctor exhibitions. <laughs> yeah, um, I think uh, uh is there anything else? Uh, any other conversations we have really about Stuff like I feel like we've I feel like we've covered, covered most of it at this point. I like without diving into my entire life. I mean, there is uh, one last thing I like to ask people, and that's mainly yeah. about your creative process as kind of a writer uh, and uh, as right, okay. a writer really, because that's what I intend to go down that route, and it's what I mm -hmm. do mostly. But as a writer, what's kind of your creative process, and how do you? Um, how do you cope with stuff like burnout? That's something that I ask every writer who comes on this show, how they uh, work through burnout and what's their creative process. Um, so ooh, it depends. So for Torchwood stories and well, all of them actually, now that I think about it, I, I kind of, I sit down and I come up with an idea. So I have the initial idea of things. I go, okay, I want in this story for there to be this villain. And I want them to be with this character. So if I'm someone, let's say like Fraser, you know, Fraser Ward, how does he meet this character? Mm. And then I go back in my mind from there thinking about what kind of scenario would they be in? Let's say like a Dalek or something. You know? yeah. How would Torchwood face a Dalek? You know, 
is it come from the sky has it been found in a pit somewhere what's the deal what it what what is the how has it got to there once i have the general idea of how it got there and how this character is going to get there and meet this thing then i go into a document and i write a plan and so if it's in a arcing story thing with with like with torchwood is i write down all the po- all the points that need to happen so this character needs to kiss that character this character needs to find out this information and i write all of that down and so now i'm now i've got lots of elements so i'm like okay so the main core thing is the fact that fraser ward needs to meet a dalek at some point what's the dalek doing is the other side of this thing so fraser ward's got to get to the dalek how does he do that what's the dalek doing there in the first place how has the dalek got there in the first place so now you've got the dalek side things which is the dalek is got there from here gets there to here and is going to do this fraser is doing a similar thing and then because of what's happening in episode four i've now got to put this in episode one which then links to episode four and so there's levels of, of that kind of thing so i write out all of that all of those details and then i sort of stare at it and then my brain does this kind of thing where it links up things it just it just does it i don't know how to describe it it just suddenly goes oh well obviously because fraser said this then that can mean that later on and then there's something that, 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 that oh i can bring that in oh and then i can reference this thing from 70 years ago that no one knows about and then i can conventional chess pretty much yeah exactly I mean, so it's a thing really and and the the problem is as well is uh, especially with with things like this for instance like torchwood me and a friend sat down i won't say what number it is but we sat down and we planned volumes of torchwood we sat down and we came up with ideas because it wasn't just a case of like we were planning so he came up with an idea for a volume but we'd already planned xyz volumes of Mm. of torchwood so his volume could only happen at this point because that's the next available slot which means Something like that. So it's it's a case of we were coming up with ideas for seasons, hmm. and so then it's a case of okay. So the overarching theme for this season is this: how is all of the details that we're putting in here going to play in later down the line? Yeah, which is how I like to do things. I like to have things be referenced. I don't like the thing I hate most in TV shows is when something feels like it's this season's thing, in the sense of like. The Vampire Diaries, for instance, I was watching that, and suddenly it's a case of you watch it, they stop the big bad at the end of the season, season, you know, five episode one suddenly. So there's this other thing happening, and it's like, but he, he's been a thing forever. He's been the ancientest vampire of all of them. And you hmm. sit there and you go, but you've never mentioned him before. Oh, well, we have. You haven't. You've never mentioned him, and it's just like a case of, out well, we mention him now. And so I hate when that happens. So yeah. with Torchwood, I'm actively going out of my way to make it so that if if I say something in series five, an example, you're going to go, I remember that from season one. Mm. So, ah, you know, I don't want anything. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't. So that, that's, that's how I write things. I write things because I love how things link up in poetry of situations. So... Not only am I sitting there thinking about how to write this one story, I'm thinking about the bigger picture of what does this story yeah. do for it. There, there are in my in my way of writing, there are no stories that don't mean something. Everything means something when I write it, um, which sounds a bit weird, but but that's how I'm. That's how it is. Everything matters. Everything links up. There's sometimes I say things because people are humans and they don't need to say things that are plot based. So, you know, they have conversations here which are completely random and they will never mention it again. Mm-hmm. But there are, but sometimes that conversation can have one sentence in it. That one sentence could mean yeah. everything. And that's what I like about that kind of thing. So from there, once I've got the plan of, of, of a, a, a sort of big, sort of almost like a blurb of what's happening in the story, I then start going, okay, well, if I've said there's this scene here, and I've got a sort of general idea that Fraser is going to talk to this character. Where does this character work at? He must work at a museum. So let's let's Fraser's got to get into the museum. How does Fraser get to the museum? Do I start him off in the museum or does he get to the museum from somewhere else? And so I go through each scene. And so, for instance, there's a script on my computer currently where all the scenes are planned with like the scene headings on cell text. So it's like I've gone down a line, created the scene heading, scene in this building. 
and then I've just written a little, this is the scene where Fraser is going to talk to this character. And then I go, this is the scene where Lizzie's going to be talking to that character. And then this is the scene where Tommy blows up everything. Um, and so it's just a case of going through and marking out the little things. So then the, the, the thing with burnout is I don't, I, I do get it because I get tired of some big scenes. That's why I find it mainly, but it's not a case of because I don't know where the story's going. I know exactly where the story's going. It's just a case of sometimes, for instance, there was one scene I've just done very exposition heavy. That's where I struggle to find the thing because I hate, I don't want it to be a case of this is because of the plot. I don't want it to be a case of the scene feels like it's only there to get across information. It should be a scene that feels natural. He's getting across the information you need to hear, but it's done in a way that you almost don't notice it's happening. You understand that this is the, this is an important scene where they're having to talk about exposition stuff. But you, I try to make it so that something's happening in the scene. That means you you've, you're kind of you're focusing on that a little bit. But you you like you're like oh well, that's kind of funny what's happening over there. But he could be saying the most important thing you will ever have to hear about this universe. But but it will be done in a way where you kind of and I, I don't know if that comes across. That's how I hope it comes across. But I like to do that kind of thing in a process. And there's a level of characters as well that sometimes scenes happen, and it's very strange. But the characters are almost alive to me, which is a strange kind of thing. Sometimes I, reasonable. And I think everybody yeah. kind of treats their characters like that. Because you're not treating them like they're real, like they're... Cause they don't way, feel real. In if, a if you... way, mm. they are real to people. You were, We were talking about it earlier, how shows influence people, how they can influence yeah. their creativity and how they act. And it's kind of through that real-life influence that these characters become yeah. very real, while still being fiction. None of Doctor is happening in real life. But, you know... Even though it's being acted out, the characters are still very real to people. They can they can resonate with people, and, and they they are real in that sense. And the thing is, if you don't if you don't believe as a if you don't believe as a writer that your characters are real, no one's going to believe they're real. And that's the thing you you need to you need to breathe life into them. And so, as I said, I write out the kind of this scene is where this is going to happen. And so I need to get from plot point A to B, and that 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 crucial bit of information needs to be done, but I often will let the kind of I'll just start typing and going. Well, he'll he if if I was this person, because I, as I said, Tommy's a kind of part of me, and so is Fraser, and Lizzie is a weird in a weird way is another part of me, and so is Chris. And so there's a level of kind of I know how this part of my brain would talk to itself, and so there's a case of okay. So if Chris says this snide remark, then Tommy would reply like this. And what would what would Chris then say to Tommy after that? And, that's, and it starts to be a conversation to myself where I'm talking to me in different voices. And so it's a case of, but, but those characters aren't a case of I've sat there and gone, oh, I'm going to put this, this line in because of that ages ago. Like I haven't planned this. It's a case of this is on the spot. What would I say if I'm actually having this conversation? If it was me and you having this conversation and we're writing this down, what would I say to you? If you said this, I'd say this, that, that, and that. And that's how the scene happens. And then I know I need to end it here. So how do I get from this conversation to the end point? And so that is kind of my process. And so with, with burnout, I kind of step away from the thing if I get burnt out yeah. and I try to do something else. So at the moment, I'm doing four scripts at once on my computer. And so I try to keep the scripts. I'm doing different vibes in a way. So yeah. one is really sad. One is really exposition heavy. One is, one is fun. And so if I'm feeling in a fun mood, I write the fun one. If I'm feeling in a sad mood, I write the sad one. And it's because I can then draw upon the actual feeling in me. I feel burnout comes when you're trying to force it. Yeah. And so I never try to just force it out because you won't get the result you want. And so the sad one, I can't write the sad one when I'm happy. The sad one has to be like my deepest sadness exposed on a page. Um, and so, you know, that's that. As I was talking about the Tommy thing, the the level of, you know, all, all happy people, are, no, all funny people are sad. Yeah. That I have to, you know, I, I can be, you know, I can talk all I want and all that kind of stuff inherently. I'm a very sad person in places. I can, I can go to those places. And so Tommy 
is that I, I i sort of throw that onto a page I, for tommy i would think most of what i'm doing with the techno doctor is just me on a bad day yeah he, yeah his because especially with what i've been through this year it's it's a lot of that is injected into his character and a lot of it is just me on a bad day i've still got that smile still got that adventurous spirit that the doctor has but you know it, it's, it's kind of, I covered this with George, uh, George Gadira about a while back, about um, how I hate it in um, media. There, there are two things I hate when it comes to covering depressed characters in media. One, they're sad all the time, which is just not the case for most, if no, not depressed no. people. All depressed people can smile, they can have jokes, they can, they, they've had good days. Everyone has yeah. good days and bad days. And two is when it gets instantly cured by the end of the episode. That's not or the end of the movie that's no not... no it's it's when they just bring it up and it's like oh this is the this is the mental health issues episode no so the, the thing is with, 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 with how we're dealing with it with tommy for instance tommy could be either way he could be sad he could be happy he's always putting on a kind of masking thing but then there's there's a lot of moments that i kind of write in for tommy where it's quiet and he's alone yeah and that's when you kind of see the facade drop when he actually has to the, 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 the way I think about it, because what happens with my own thing is it's it's fine when you can talk to someone, but the second you're alone in your own head for too long, that's when the thoughts can start to creep in. Yeah. And so whenever I whenever I do it with Tommy's sort of side of things is, I mean, sometimes there's a catalyst to it. Uh, like there's there's a lot of, with, with Tommy's character, the thing I'm, I'm loving exploring at the moment with it is the fact that Tommy is Tommy Benton. And it's and it's something that isn't really touched upon so far in the in the in the DW twenty twelve side of things, and I don't know if it does because obviously I'm not involved with the writing and stuff. But like the fact that Tommy Benton is Sergeant Benton's grandson, like what would you know? And, and obviously in, in Memorial, he's not in, he's not part of Unit. He he hasn't been able to get into Unit. So why isn't he in Unit if his granddad is Sergeant Benton? Like what's happened there? And so there's a kind of level of Tommy being a, a, a mess up. He's a, he's a mistake. You know, he is, he doesn't live up to what his granddad would probably want him to be. Yeah. And I mean, so he injects something like his parents or something in that, in that as well, I suppose. Yeah. So I've, so it's, it's, it's a kind of, Oh, it's not a spoiler. He's got a brother. He's got a brother called Michael and Michael is in unit. He's everything his parents could dream him to be. He's the perfect child um and and he's better than tommy in every single way uh and tommy wants to be michael and so there's a level of of kind of uh i, I won't i won't give away the entire plot to what, what what's going on there but effectively there's a lot of depth to that level of things that you haven't seen yet in the the stuff we've already made but we will be exploring giving characters because the thing is he's interesting because he is a benton so so what is that entire mm. side of this that we've not really looked into how does he react to his granddad what is the dynamic between the two of them and so um you know it, and it's not just black and white in the sense of everyone hates him or everyone loves him or that kind of thing it's a case of you know what is what is the dynamic there he's a human so there is there are you know everyone's got their own thing going on and so that is what I hope to explore further in some scripts. It's it, this isn't this isn't confirmed or anything like that in the sense of like yeah, you know yeah. we haven't written a script or anything like that. But it's a case of this is the general idea of, of why Tommy's got a backstory like this. Obviously, this isn't like his main arc or anything. This is just part of the backstory that explains why he could be yeah. the way he is. And that's the thing about making people human and believable is because if you don't give them this from the start, then you don't they, they then suddenly when it becomes part of their thing for one story it's not believable because it's it's not who they are intrinsically and if you make them sad all the time then they're not that's not how it works people aren't always eeyore all the time you know they they actually have you know other emotions um and so tommy tommy's character is is, is he's possibly my favorite to write for fraser is like he's fine. I like you know. I love Fraser as a character. He is he's 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 my boy. But at the end of the day, he's me. 
I know. And yeah. but Tommy, Tommy is the character that is kind of like you know he he should be everyone's favorite. He's the funny one. He's the he's the enjoyable one to have on the screen, but he's also the one that can be deep when he needs to be deep and that kind of thing. And so there's a level of also the jokes he makes. They've never not been, you know. There's always cynical. an underlying kind of. There's always an underlying thing. Oh, like he, he, yeah. There's always an underlying. Well, like I could go kill myself now or something like that. There's yeah. always an underlying kind of. If you really think about them for too long, he could be meaning what he's saying rather than it being yeah. a joke. It's a case of he is. You know, he, he doesn't want to be. He, he, he. See, the thing is, he's passionate about what he does. Like he wanted to join unit in memorial. That's the thing. He really wanted to be. A unit soldier he wanted to be part of the thing because of obvious reasons as i just said because his, you know his grandfather he wants to be a benton and be in unit and everything like that but they won't let him in because of his various mistakes um, which is why he finds a sort of better home at torchwood um and so from there it's a case of you know um it, it, it's always been there from the start that he's got these sort of layers to it yeah. and i find it very interesting to explore that kind of that kind of sadness within within a character and, and depth to it yeah yeah uh, <laughs> anyway, i'll end the school and then we'll do an outro and then end it right out. okay right. yeah so i feel like that's all we have to talk about today uh yeah it's been <laughs> lovely talking to you it's been a pleasure lovely talking to you as well i mean it's it's, it's been i mean well, yeah, i can talk for uh, i'll talk to anyone um and so yeah, it's it's uh, it's, it's been nice. Um, yeah. It's interesting. It's an interesting format you've got here, where there's sort of a, 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 a there is a structure, but there's, there's a very loose structure. Yeah, very so loose. It does allow for very. Uh, if anyone's made it this far in the video, I'm very impressed. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you have anything to uh, plug, anything uh, to shout out, uh, go ahead. Pretty much. Um, ooh, I'm trying to think. Um, well, obviously, go check out Torchwood Rebirth Volume 1, which is available on Overton Audios. That whole volume is out. Obviously, there's Memorial, the special prior to that. Um, Fan-wise, I'd turn up in Vengeance of the Bloodline if anyone wants to go watch that um, on, on the DW2012 channel. Um, other than that, I just I have a YouTube channel called Scarecrow Props where I do prop videos, which dive into some of the you know the props that we've already spoken about in the video if anyone was interested in that element um besides that yeah i'm also scarecrow props on instagram um, and scarecrow sun on instagram as well for cosplay um and then yeah but i i don't know that's that's it i never know how to plug myself um well, that's, but that's, that's all yeah that's all really yeah all my channels yeah go for it yeah i'll put them in the description and you can check them out down there and at the end of the video uh but yeah it's been wonderful talking to you um let me check my yeah, um oh and also everyone make sure to subscribe to this channel as well Leave a subscribe like. hit that bell notification for more i don't know comment down below thumbs up what else is there i feel like it's like a joe sub youtube video peace um, I, think that's, I think that's about it. I is think, that everything? Yeah, donate, like, donate uh, to food banks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.